You're listening to the Million Dollar Sellers Podcast with your host, Nick Chouquette. Today's show features another amazing entrepreneur who has found success online. Now, let's learn what it takes to be a million-dollar seller. All right. Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to the Million Dollar Sellers Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Chouquette, and today we have Corey Smith on the call. Corey, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, how you doing today? What you got going on? I'm good, Nick. I appreciate you having me on. It's, it's an honor to be here and uh, excited to kind of get a chance to share my story and, and connect with you. Nice, man. And you've been you've been in the group for a while. Um, when did you join MDS? And I don't remember the exact month, but probably two and a half years now. Something, okay. something along those lines. And uh, I can still remember I was introduced from a guy in MDS also. And the, he'd been talking to me about it for a long time and saying, you got to get in here. It's, just, it's killer stuff and drag my feet. And the selling point was someone had a connection to get like better uh, reimbursements from Amazon. It's like, I got in here, I got these reimbursements and you're gonna get all this money back if you join. So I was like, all right, I'm in. And that was, that was kind of the catalyst that, that locked me in. It's funny. And that's such nice. a small nugget of value of the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And uh, any idea like, uh, like how much money you made from that reimbursement tip or, or service, was it a service or like a tip on how to do it on your own? It was a service. It was, it was one of the guys in the MDS. I think that was, was doing the service at the time. Um, it was a lot. It was like $18,000 or something that, that nice. came back the first go around and I have switched change to get it out or whatever. But it's, uh, I mean, that was just an easy nugget. It was like, man, I'm already just paid for years of memberships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, you know, it's yeah. amazing. MDS uh, doesn't really have a marketing department besides its own members. I mean, it's all word of mouth. Uh, and so many people come into the group and just uh, save big bucks, just like you did, man. It's, it's crazy. It still blows my mind uh, to this day. Yeah. It really is crazy. Like the value that comes from, from so many facets of, of life and business, not just obviously the Amazon stuff is, is expected, but I mean, I, we can go on about credit card stuff and like investment advice. And it's just nuts that all the, all the nuggets that are in there. Um, yeah, man, lots of good stuff. It's, it can be tough to keep up with sometimes. Um, and they've got so much great stuff going on now, like with all the events and stuff like that. I wish I could make it out to all of them. Uh, we got a couple great MDS days coming up. So, uh, so how's Amazon been treating you, man? What kind of, uh, what kind of projects are you working on, on the Amazon side of things? How, how's business going for you? It's been good. It's been good. Um, you know, we are started the, the business uh, about six years ago now. And uh, okay. at the time I was still working, I was full time in uh, as a physical therapist. That was my my trade. And, and then you know, just started with some nights and weekends, end up listening to uh, Ryan Moran's podcast. So a lot of his stuff was was my, my education getting into the Amazon space. I never did an ASM or any official training. Um, but yeah, just just launched for that and just took it slow. I was still working full time for probably three years and okay. went half time in the clinic, half time in the business. And uh, about a year and a half ago, I went uh, resigned fully and have been full time on the business since then. And man, that was a scary decision, honestly, to to kind of make that decision to say, all right, I'm going all in on myself. Like I got two young girls at home too and a wife. So to be able to say like, all right, this is it. Like, going, going heavy on, on betting on yourself. Yeah. It's scary. Cause I didn't, I didn't dislike physical therapy. I mean, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it for the most part. And, but it just came to the time, like the upside and owning your own business and, and having the flexibility of your schedule, like just was a no brainer. And once I made the decision, it was obvious that it was the, the right decision. So yeah, man, fast forward six years. Um, this should be the first year that we should hit eight figures. So uh, nice two quarters where we're, we're just under 5 million in revenue and um, things are just trending up. I mean, we had obviously some weird stuff with COVID and March and April were super scary. And then um, our stuff isn't uh, good. The Amazon term they had, but it wasn't like the stuff that was shipping fast. So everything was shipping 30 days after people bought it. So 
sales plummeted and I ended up pulling the stuff, stuff into my garage actually. So I was shipping FBM out of my garage for like three months or something like that. And the winter up here in Northern New York, which was, Oh man. Uh, but it got us through honestly. And, and, uh, we didn't, we didn't suffer too much on, on the top line, at least doing that. And, um, and then like once things opened up with COVID, like it was just nuts. Our, our growth was crazy. Q3, Q4 last year and Q1 was great. And, uh, starting to see a little bit of, of slowing here in Q2, which seems to be pretty standard from what I understand, but yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, it's fun. And I mean, our, our, our strategy really is to, just be creative, launch, launch products that are just a little bit better than what's out there. Um, do great market research and, and find out what, what people are buying and put our brand on it and make it a little bit better. Solid stuff, man. I like how you, uh, you know, took control in that, that COVID situation and did some FBM stuff. I did something similar and one of our products, man, the FBM, when we switched to it, the ranking tanked. And, uh, it just seemed like there was nothing I could do about it. Uh, did you guys run into, to that issue or were you able to keep your, your keyword positioning when you had to switch to FBM? Yeah, no, I actually, such a bad time, right? I totally forgot about that issue, but yeah, there was, there was definitely as soon as we went to FBM, yeah, the rank just dropped. So I feel like we ended up doing like lift. Both we duplicated our SKUs. So we had one FBM and one FBA, and that like restored the rank. But people could choose to buy the FBM one that would ship faster. Okay. And we had the issue with the buy box, and like the FBA one was still showing in the buy box. So then we had like adjust pricing a little bit. It was oh, what a headache. I'm so glad that's not happening right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it can get pretty tricky with that buy box rotation, man. I used to deal with that a lot uh, back in my reselling days, just figuring out how to get into that buy box spot. It's crazy. Uh, a lot of, a lot of PL guys like strictly private label don't, don't really get to experience that, but it's crazy how much more sales volume you get if you're in that buy box position, uh, compared to not being in there. Uh, especially if it's a really well-ranked item, like you can slide into that buy box and you can snag just so many sales in a short amount of time. It's mind blowing. Sure. Yeah. That's something I've, I've never really done a whole lot of wholesale or had any issues with the buy box. So it was a full learning experience to, to understand like there's an FBM and FBA skew, but the FBA is always winning unless the price is like a certain percentage different. And yeah, it was, it's quite the learning process, but yeah, that's business, right? You figure it out yeah. on the fly and try to knock down problems one by one. Yep. Yep. <laughs> So, uh, Corey, you mentioned you got in, uh, uh yeah. through Ryan Moran, I believe it was a Ryan Moran course that got you into Amazon. So it wasn't even a course. I don't know if you remember way back, I think it was uh freedom fast lane was his initial podcast. Okay. He does like capitalism.com, but he, um, he had like documented the whole process of launching a yoga mat. Him and he had a business partner at the time and. It was, it was back when Amazon was super easy where the launch strategy was you create a Facebook group that's separate from your brand. And like, I'm in the pet space. So I did like a, I love dogs page. And then you just bring some people in and offer them the product for a dollar or 99 okay. cents. And you would just you know give away a hundred of them and you just shoot up the ranks and you could use promo codes at that time and, and all that. And so he literally laid out the whole process of how, how he would launch, launch his yoga mat. And uh, I just did it for the, the pet space and it was so easy. It's crazy. So that was the process. Nice. You still have any of those, uh, the, that like social media asset still, do you still have that group? You still use it at all for your business? Uh, not too much anymore. I, yeah. I think if we probably still have the page, but I think we rebranded it to uh, okay. different, a different page and, um, we don't use, uh, those pages for, for launching at all anymore. So it's more, we have our, you know, we have an internal tester club and we have, you know, we use rebate key to, to get some, some sales through that. And, um, that's typically our process for launching. So we, we've stepped away from, from using our social pages for that. And, um, just our brand page that we, we try to stick almost no discounts and keep our brand brand people paying full price and, and understanding like they're just getting the quality stuff that they expect. And, 
they're not going to wait around for the 80% off launch deals or something like that. Right. Right. All right, Corey. So you mentioned, uh, this internal tester club. I, I really like what you've done, uh, with that. I think a lot of people, uh, on Amazon, they neglect that brand building aspect. And I think that's that, uh, that shift is kind of happening where things are way more competitive. Now, Amazon's pushing, uh, branding a little harder. They're pushing external traffic, uh, harder. Can you, uh, can you provide some insight into how you went about building this, this internal, uh, tester club? Uh, so someone looking to do something similar can kind of, uh, learn from you a little bit. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it's, I guess I, just like everything with Amazon, it changes so fast, but so we've, we've had a few different, I guess, modifications or, or generations of our tester club where initially we had, um, we just did it through email. So we had, um, you know, we collected emails and we, we do some email appends as well. Uh, and then we would just randomly, when we tried to grow our test club, we would just send an email say, Hey, would you like to, consider joining our tester club uh it's so exclusive uh free products are heavily discounted uh products in our brand new lines you'd be the first ones to have them and uh, in exchange we just like some feedback on that so we started by growing that way and then um as many chat and facebook messenger became so popular we ended up pushing people into that so we could have just a, a a more detailed conversation you know better open rates faster replies we could actually do the the surveys inside the, the tester club or inside messenger itself through the flows. And then everything changed with messenger again. And we, we actually tried to go back to email thinking that would be fastest and sort of attach it to like a Google form. Um, okay. But our open rates were so bad that we would, we have around 800 members just for context in the tester club. And we'd send the email to 800 offering a new product and we'd get like 60 people to sign up. Like, okay. Oh man, this isn't going to work. So, <laughs> We ended up going back and then we actually used Twilio is uh, and we had a, a developer build a web, web app for us through Twilio. So we uh, just send text messages now. Nice. Hey, we have a new product uh, ready for testing, you know, free for you. Just reply back with, you know, yes, if you'd like to test the product. And uh, that Twilio on the back end attaches to Google Sheets. So it'll it'll kind of post in there who who's opted in to test the product. And um, then we can kind of go through that process where, you know, we either send them a rebate or, or let them know the product and, and go through that process of, of launching there. And then usually three or four weeks after purchase, we'll, we'll ask them to just fill out a survey and kind of give some, get some feedback on the, on the product. So it's, it's been working much better with, <laughs> with Twilio and, and text messaging versus, you know, versus the email side. So, I mean, nothing, nothing really unique as far as inviting people in. We just, we emailed our current audience and, we have uh, 130,000 emails total on our, on our brand list. So it's not hard to pull in more whenever we want to. Um, but you could be creative Facebook ads, you know, run some Facebook ads to a, a tester club, sign up for them through, through Google or, um, you know, anything like that. So that's what I would do nowadays if I was starting fresh. Nice, man. Yeah. You don't hear too many people in the Amazon game talk about Twilio. I, I looked at it a while ago. I was like, man, this uh, seems interesting. And I was like, oh crap, you need like a legit developer to figure this thing out. Yeah. Yeah. That was my exact stress. I looked into it thinking, oh, this is going to be like an out of the box solution. Yeah. <laughs> definitely not that. So yeah. Uh, I just found the developer on Upwork, someone that, you know, had, uh, had experience with Twilio and actually had to go through it two or three guys and just had to think through what I wanted first. Nice. Okay. I found this guy in India that had built something similar. Uh, we just need to do the modifications for, um, I believe it's, it's a Zapier hook through uh, Twilio to Google sheets, but okay, it's pretty seamless now. Nice, man. Yeah. I love how you, uh, it sounds like you didn't waste much time trying to figure it out yourself. Is that, is that right? No. Yeah. That's, that's, that's right for sure. I mean, I'm cool. That's I always that make that mistake. <laughs> <laughs> or you just pass it off to somebody else to figure out. That's what I should do more of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always make the mistake of uh, of trying to figure it out myself. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Instead of just, I, I still, 
I've had so many good experiences on Upwork, but I think it's just like a, it's a habit I have of, of trying to do things on my own all the time. Um, you know, now with, with three kids and multiple businesses and, you know, so many responsibilities of, I've somewhat learned my lesson. Um, but I, I, I wanted to highlight this because I think, you know, even if you're, let's say you're, a a young single guy or, or a girl with plenty of time on your hands, uh, and you've got this business of your own, if you can shift your mindset from, I'm going to do everything myself to, you know, I'm going to find someone to do this for me, you know, the sooner you can have that mindset shift, the better. Um, did you ever have that in you where you did try to do things yourself very often? Um, and what was that like for you? Oh yeah. That's, that's a lesson I, I continue to learn <laughs> way yeah. too frequently where, um, you know, I, I grew up pretty blue collar. You know, I was one, one of the first kids in my family and extended family to graduate college. So it just came from, uh, you know, just the, the idea of like, I'll do it myself and I'm not going to pay for that type of thing. And it's not until recently where through enough mistakes and missing things and not, ha not having enough time to do things, it's forced me to kind of have that mental shift. Yeah. But it's a very uncomfortable thing for me, honestly. And it's, uh, you know, we have a staff of, of 14 people and we have a office and warehouse in Rochester, New York and, you know, growing a team. And then you start running at a time because you're doing things for other people. And then you're, you're falling short on your commitments to others because you're, you know, you're just wasting time on things you shouldn't be wasting time on. It like forces you to be like, I got to be better. I got to yeah. stop, stop making those, those mistakes. And um, yeah. So I've had that shift really since January of this year where I hired a coach for the first time um, ever. And he's helped me just work through that stuff mentally. He's helped me think bigger, uh, understand the value of my time, understanding the value, uh, the value of my choices. Like every little choice matters. You know, he uses the, the phrases either it's comfort or combat. You can make a decision to be comfortable and, and get a little worse, or you can, you know, make the cliche combat decision and do things you don't want to do, even if it's uncomfortable, because uh, it's the right thing to do and it's moving you towards your goals. So yeah, this is last, last month, first time I hired a personal chef. So nice. I'm not, I'm not like making my own meals at work and, you know, I'm not worried about DoorDash and wasting money on unhealthy stuff. Like, yeah. And that's like, was, was super uncomfortable for me to be like talking to a chef about meals and like the stuff I want to eat. And, but I think you got to at some point start to make that decision for yourself and understand that it's, it's saving you time and making you healthier and it costs a little more, but it's totally worth it, you know? Yeah. And I think that's one of those, um, I know you've kind of, you've got a background in like physical therapy, right? Right. So I'm sure you're, uh, I'm sure you're also interested in other aspects of health and, you know, I, I think it's coming to light more so these days, but not very long ago, you know, people didn't really draw a connection between, our personal health and our, our performance at work. Um, I think that shift is definitely happening, but you know, I'm sure you've seen a lot of benefits, not only in your personal life, but probably at work as, as well by making that decision to hire a personal chef. Uh, would you agree with that? A hundred percent. Yeah. It's, I mean, you get, you get caught up and it's, it's every form of what you just said, where you feel better because you're eating good food. Um, but you also, I mean, you get caught in the day-to-day -day of work and next thing you know, it's two 30, you haven't had lunch yet. And you're yeah. and you know, your, your energy is down. You can't think straight where I would have eaten at 12. If I had something, but I, you know, I forgot to meal prep this weekend. And, uh, now I got to order something through DoorDash or whatever it is. And, and, you know, it just throws off everything. Right. And you end up with yeah. a headache or, or whatever it is. So, you know, you just having this stuff organized ahead of time and, I went through like four or five chefs to find, find this guy. Cause I wanted something that was automated and someone that just sort of understood the rules that I wanted to follow by. So I have some, some weird allergies too. So okay, I also didn't want to like, there was a couple places that had good reviews, but you have to go in and sort of order your meals on the week before. I'm like, okay. I don't, do that. Like, I don't want to think about anything. I want someone to send me a menu on Friday and I can just okay it. And then it'll show yeah. up in the morning at the office, you know? 
Yeah, that reminds me, man. You know, right now my my wife has been doing a, a great job of of meal prepping for us. She like macros the meals out and everything for me. She she's crushing it. She's doing great. But occasionally she'll be like, she'll be like, Hey, you know, what, what do you want to have to eat? And I'm, I'm just like food, like, you know, like I don't, I don't want to, I'm like, I want 30 grams of protein, 15 grams of fat and this many carbs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, like I just, we make so many decisions every day and, you know, we're putting out so many fires every day at work. Like when I get off, I don't really want to make any more decisions. Uh, I kind of just want to, want to have what I need. And, uh, it's just, uh, I get so exhausted from all the the decisions I'm making every day at work, man. So when you're able to free up those decisions in other areas of your life, you know, in my opinion, it just easily spills over, uh, into work as well. Um, and you just feel so much better. And like you mentioned, the, the energy levels, the headaches, the, the irritability, the frustration, like, it's so easy to, uh, work through lunch and skip a meal and then you get off work and, you know, you come home and you're a little frustrated and, you know, then you want to spend time with the kids, but you're slightly frustrated. And it's just like a never ending cycle that, uh, impacts every area of your life. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can hundred percent relate to that. Yeah. And you don't, you don't think in the moment, like what's the cost of that? Like, yeah. Thinking about like, oh, I don't, do I really want to pay $25 a meal for a personal chef? But it's like, if I don't pay that, you know, then one day a week I have a headache and I can't work the afternoon. Like what's that cost me? You know, yeah. A lot more than $25 a meal or whatever. So it's, it's just changing our mindsets to, to understand the cost of not doing things as well as the cost of doing things. And um, I think that's what we need to do as entrepreneurs and business owners and um, just value that stuff differently. So, yeah, I think that's a great way you mentioned the cost of, of, you know, not doing something or, uh, the cost of the cost of trying to save a few bucks, right. (laughs) Um, I, I really like that approach because, um, yeah, I think it's just a lot of people don't think about that stuff, man. All right, Corey. So you mentioned that you had hired a personal chef. Uh, how long ago did you say you started doing that? Not that long ago, like uh, maybe six weeks ago, four to six okay. weeks ago, something like that. And um, yeah, it's uh, it was an easy decision, but it's it's honestly it's the little little mind shift. That's how I we started talking about that at all. Where you know, working with my coach to help think through, um, you know the decisions I'm making, not only at work either, like he, he's a, he's a really great guy and helps in sort of all facets of my life with, you know, body with health and family stuff with, with two kids. And one thing I've always struggled with is the home life stuff where, you know, I'm, I'm so clear on my goals and where I'm, where I want to go with the business and financially to get my family where we want to go. And yeah, it's hard for me to shut it off. And I don't know if that's, uh, if you experience that too, but it's, you know, I get home and it's really easy for me to be on my phone man. and I got two young kids, four and two. And it's like, I do that stuff and it, then it eats at me after like, this, this is not the father I want to be. This is not, you know, it's not the dad that my kids want. And, uh, so I've been working hard on that stuff too, to, to, to make those, the comfort versus combat decisions where it's almost comfortable for me to start working again. You know, when my kids are in the bounce house or just running around, I'll, grab the phone and start doing email or checking on seller central or whatever it is. And, you know, the actual combat choice is put the phone away, man, and, and enjoy the time and be present and, and be the dad, the dad that my you know kids deserve. So working through all that stuff and just understanding the impact of all the choices and little choices and decisions that are, are I'm making, you know, who do I actually want to be and then execute those things consistently. And, you know, we're not, we're never going to be perfect, but, we can get that 80% number, we're going to be moving in the direction we want pretty quick. Yeah, man, I can, I can totally relate to that. I've got, I've got three little ones at home and like, I hate when I catch myself, you know, like I'm walking with my son and he's talking to me and I'm like thinking about some business idea and I'm like, huh, what'd you say? 
Yep. You know, like I hate when I catch myself in those situations. It's like, man, uh, cause it eats at me later. Just like you said, like, I've really got to practice, uh, living in the moment when it comes to my children. Uh, and they just appreciate it so much. Like it's so rewarding whenever you take the time to really just focus on, you know, being present with your significant other and being present with your, your children and, uh, just soaking up that time, man, because it goes by so fast. And like, I have a, you know, my three-year-old daughter, which is like, she's absolutely like rocking my world right now. I'm obsessed with her. Um, and, uh, she's only going to be three, like, you know, she'll only be three years old for one summer, you know? And like, those are the things that are really, uh, eating at me right now is like, man, you know, I want to maximize this time, uh, with my kid while they're in these, these stages of life, because they're just so, uh, amazing to be with. And I learned so much from my kids too. Sure. Um, it's, yeah. uh, it's definitely on the top of my list. Has your, um, you got to have any like specific things you're doing, uh, or not doing, because I think that's a, <laughs> uh, a good subject as well as like, what things are we not going to do, uh, while we're around our kids, uh, and things like that. Cause like you said, it's so easy to get on the phone and, and talk on Slack, uh, or, or whatever communication channel we have. Uh, is, is there some specific things you're doing or not doing, uh, to help you work towards that goal of being the best dad you can be? Yeah, totally. And it's, it's one of those things that again, just need to be intentional about it. But, um, yeah, I started, uh, months ago, four or five months ago, probably started doing a, a, a daddy, daddy, daughter date, both my nice. kids are daughters. So every, um, twice a month. So I'll, I'll take one kid out for a date on, um, you know, first two weeks of the month and then the other kid, the second two weeks. And when I say dates, it's not like dinners off. We sometimes we'll do meals out or something like that. But the whole idea is, is what are they like? What are they into? And then actually do it with them. Type of yeah. Thing, you know, where a lot of times like we can go to a playground and I'll sit on, I'll sit on the bench and they'll go play. That's not what I consider a date. It's like, this is, this is the one hour, two hours that we're going to go to the playground. And like, I'm going to be on the slide with you. Like <laughs> the things that you like that I'm all in hundred percent focused on, on them and, and, and just being um, a kid with them. So they're like, Oh, you know, I guess we can connect, connect deeper on the stuff that they're into. And, you know, what we did other things, like we did rock painting where a lot of times if we were to do that, like, I'm not going to paint a rock, but on the date, man, I'm in there. I got paint on yeah. my hands and, you know, we're having a good time with, with painting rocks. And, um, it's just crazy. The conversations that come out of those things. Yep. And, um, it's just, this was an idea for my coach to start doing this. And, um, you know, the long-term vision and why I think this is so important for my family is the idea is I want my kids to know like that I'm going to always be there and they can have those conversations with me and I'm going to be the pillar in their life that, when things get stormy, like they can always come to dad and, and, uh, confide in me for whatever they need. And I think it starts with, with these kind of silly, silly dates, you know, and cause at home it's, it's hard sometimes to connect, you know, everybody else is running around and just stuff gets crazy. But you know, when you're <laughs> covered in rock paint, like it's, it's, it's different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm definitely, it sounds like you and I are in a pretty similar situation, uh, when it comes to what we're trying to accomplish, uh, as, as husbands and fathers, uh, how old are your kids? Oldest is, is four. She's going to be five in August. And then, uh, the youngest Lexi, she's, she's two will be three. Okay. Yep. So nice. Two, two girls, two girls. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Those are good cool. ages, man. <laughs> Until they're teenagers. And I'm, I might not think it's as cool, but <laughs> for now it's really cool. Yeah. I always wonder, man, you know, I, I feel like a lot of members inside of MDS, uh, you know, we're not, we're not the average individual. And I know a lot of people, you know, they, they throw that stuff our way, like, Oh, wait, wait till they're teenagers, you know, wait till they're this and wait till they're that. And like, I get it. But at the same time, in my mind, I'm like, well, you know, I'm not just going to accept that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not just going to accept that my children are going to be a pain in the ass when they're teenagers. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> like, is there a chance of that happening? Yeah, definitely. Uh, but, um, I'm certainly going to do my best to make that not happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not just going to lay down and let it happen. We're going to yeah. waiting try here. Yeah. Like you have so many of those things that are just like accepted mantras like, Oh yeah. Wait till they're there too. The terrible twos, you know, like, Oh yeah. I'm just sitting around waiting for my kid to be terrible at two. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, I, I try to get you, you mentioned the word intentional earlier and I just really try to get real intentional with those things as well. Um, I just like to have that pot. Of course, like I'm, I'm prepared for the worst, but I'm, I've, I've got high hopes that, uh, everything works out. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And honestly, that word intention and being intentional is, is probably like the theme of, of my year so far where it's, that's something that I don't think I've always been great at. And you know, one of the books that's had had the biggest impact on me this year is the 12 week year by Brian Rand. And, uh, okay. It's, uh, it's nothing that's like super far fetched, but it's just chunking down your goals. Like stop doing annual goals, do 12 week goals and, and focus on that. But the whole idea is, is once you have your, your vision and your long-term goal for your family, you chunk it down into like, what am I going to focus on in this 12 week year? And then actually like breaking it into tactics and like scheduling it out over 12 weeks. And then just being crazy, hyper intentional about your weekly task and then just making sure you're knocking those down every week. And um, I'll pass that on to the whole team. So we, we do traction or EOS operating system too. And okay, um, we've implemented this as sort of like a curveball to, to that system. And it's been crazy. I mean, again, our, our numbers have grown. We're 150% higher revenue this year than we were last year. And nice. Uh, I, I think these little adjustments are, are making that difference, you know, it's having not only my intention about what I'm doing, but having them be intentional about their daily actions. Like what's the most important thing you should be doing to get us to our goals. And it's crazy how, how that stuff works. Cause it's such a simple concept, but it's powerful, man. Yeah, it is. It, I, I totally agree with you. It's like, how did we, how did we miss it in the first place? Right? Like <laughs> what the hell were we doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Just yeah. kind of logging into Amazon Seller Central and like seeing what we needed to do, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yep. So um, I've got a process I have my team do. We run EOS as well. I love the level 10 meetings. Um, but we've got a process we do as well. I call it powerfully starting your workday. And they go into click up our project management tool. And in the home section now, they've got this great new feature. Uh, where you have your list of tasks uh, for today and you can actually drag and drop them over to your calendar uh, and it'll put a start and a stop time on them uh, depending on how, you know, how you build your day. Uh, and that's been working really well because it's just like that's setting awesome. that intention of, of what I'm doing today. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's one thing that traditional business gets right. Mm-hmm. And entrepreneurs, I think a lot, and especially digital entrepreneurs, I think a lot of us are so like against the grain, we kind of go against the norm and we miss out on some of those things that traditional business has gotten right. Um, and then guys like you and I, we get a couple years in and we're like, oh shit, like, like, yeah, I should have that to-do list. <laughs> I should know what I'm signing. I know I should know what I'm doing each day and what metrics I need to hit. And, uh, you know, that stuff starts to make sense. Um, and that's the biggest thing I try to teach people, you know, when they're asking for advice on starting out is like, hey, you know, take some of these things into consideration because trying to, I mean, I, I, ha- I don't know what it was like for you, but I had a million dollar business already. Uh, and then I tried to get it under control. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, what's going to be easier to tame a, a a baby lion or a, or a full grown lion. (laughs) 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 So it took me a while to, uh, to get it under, under control. Um, did you have an experience kind of similar to that one? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I honestly, I don't, I don't feel like we did a great job until probably two years ago. And whenever we implemented EOS, like that was, that was a turning point 
for for me like when i actually sat down and we had started building scorecards and we were tracking things and you know actually had a three-year vision for the company and we set like super clear goals there um that was a turning point i think that was two years ago around okay so we were i was four years in business and like i had personal goals for the for for my life financially but i I never broke those down and said like well to get there like the business needs to be doing this yeah and then you know, stepping back from the three years to the one year, then to the the quarterly rocks. And once that happened, you know, and, and then the scorecards and the issues list and accountability chart, like putting that all together was just like an aha moment and things just yeah. opened up. And and then it, it seemed having that skeleton there was like, okay, now, now we can start to scale with people in the right positions. And, you know, we, we to go from, it's still crazy to me to think that there's 14 people and, MDS is so humbling because it's like for little Corey out here in Rochester, New York, 14 people team seems like epic. And, you know, MDS is just like, Oh, about 10, 10 million revenue. That's sort of laughable, you know? And um, the same thing with like these guys here, but I'm, I'm so proud to have a team and people on payroll and supporting families and, and all that stuff. And, you know, implementing these little things is where I was going in for the accountability chart is, we have a full-time videographer on staff. Now we have a full-time photographer just to like bring our brand to life the way that I want it to Nice operations guy. We have a few guys in the warehouse that are, you know, fulfilling orders, but also packing some of our consumables. And it's just been, been super fun to start to implement those systems, but none of that can happen until you you have that, that strong foundation and, you know, taming the lion, like you said first, and then, then you can scale it from there. Yeah, man, I wish I, uh, EOS has been such an eye opener for me and, and everyone says the same thing. Like you, I've never heard anyone say something negative or bad about EOS. Like it has the same impact on everyone. Um, you know, we had Mike from Ecom crew on the podcast and, uh, you know, he said he didn't really feel good about what he was doing until, uh, he implemented EOS and found his integrator um, and, and we really dived pretty deep into EOS on his podcast, but, uh, you know, it has a huge impact on, on everyone, no matter where they're at in business. It just seems to bring that clarity that so many of us, uh, need, especially if you identify as a visionary, according to EOS terms, um, like that's what keeps me it's like my compass, you know, it, it brings me back and, and shows me where I'm really trying to go and helps keep me on track. And, uh, you know, just, uh, Mike from Ecom crew, he called his integrator, uh, the way he put it, he was like, yeah, that's, that's, uh, my staff's shield from me as the visionary. (laughs) I love that. I love that. I could use a bigger shield, but for for now, there's at least something down there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still sitting in both roles uh, myself. I definitely am uh, a visionary, but uh, for now, I'm still fulfilling that integrator as role that integrator role as well. Yeah, um, and I, I like doing some of that stuff, but it's it's just not something I, I see myself doing forever. I'm definitely, you know, I have probably ten ideas a week. Maybe one or two of them are good. Um, and I like, that's just me. Like I I like ideas. I like new stuff. Um, I kind of like the chaos a little bit. Um, just keeps me excited. (laughs) Yep. I can relate to it. It, Like when I go back to, I think my, my, my comfort of, of being Corey, it's like, I'm, I'm probably better, more comfortable as an integrator and doing those things. But I also, I mean, as I've changed and shifted in my role, like I've liked that stuff a lot less. And I find the stuff just being busy is stresses me out more. And I'm definitely more the product developer, the idea generator, the systems builder, more of that stuff. Um, so I still am dabbling in the integrator role, but we have a, we, we still call him a VP of operations. So okay. he's the integrator, um, but it's just not, it's not fully systemized yet where the rest of the staff is still bringing me problems and, and ideas instead of him first and then me. Okay. So, um, I still run level 10 meetings. I'm still the one prepping the agenda for that. So far from the perfect visionary, but, um, steps in the right direction, I'd say. 
Nice. Nice. And where are you guys running those level 10 meetings? Are you, you got like a Google sheet you guys created or are you guys using a project management software for those? Yeah. Google sheets, Okay. cards on Google sheets, um, our agenda, Google sheets separately. And we, we've, we've tried ClickUp literally four times now. <laughs> okay. We made a big push and we sort of organized it somewhat well. And I don't know, I guess just old habits die hard and, uh, didn't get used the way that it was supposed to and it probably stems from me and um yeah i use i still use one note it's uh i use that as my like my daily calendar and okay I just plug my week in there and i have a smart text that that like plugs in my meetings and uh or my recent my weekly meetings that are recurring type of thing okay and um so i think having that and that you know it's an app on my phone too so it's just really easy and um I just like that. So having click up to like check somewhere else for stuff to do, I didn't do it. And then everyone's like, well, Corey's not really checking there. Like I probably shouldn't either. And it just didn't, didn't work too good. But every time I see your stuff on click up and hear you talk about it, I'm like, we should try to make that work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, um, it's so easy to get wrapped up in, in the, the software and thinking you need something different. And um, I feel like one thing, I've learned over the years is just as long as you have something and you're consistent, yep. you're ahead of the pack. Uh, in most cases, uh, compared to, you know, bouncing around between five different things you take notes on and, you know, mm -hmm. having a to-do list here and project management there, like, uh, it, it can get hectic, man. And I still catch myself, you know, getting roped into these marketing messages, uh, where they make me think, you know, I need this, this thing too. Um, it's tough. <laughs> it is a shiny object. They're so shiny sometimes. And it's just like, I want to, I want to give the, you know, the business a chance to try the best of the best. And, you know, sometimes it's just a slippery slope. Yeah. Yeah, it really is, man. And it can throw the team off track and it can definitely add to uh, anxiety levels and, uh, you know, not to mention just costing more money when you have all these, you know, monthly payments coming out because you're testing all these different things. Yep. That definitely adds up too. Yeah. Um, so, so Corey, man, it sounds like you're doing, you're doing pretty well, uh, with your brand. What's, what's some goals you guys are, are working towards on the brand side. So the way we, we've set it up, we are, um, I'd be curious to get your take on this too, where, you know, I, I'm very open with, uh, the finances of the company with the whole team. And, uh, but we try not to communicate in the terms of, of revenue or sales numbers. We uh, instead will communicate in, you know, how many pets did we help today or how many pets nice. did we connect with or pets owners we connected with. And so we have uh, a goal of this year to, to, to do 2,300 pets per day that we're helping. We have a you know, big glass board that's in our break room and we write that as the goal. And then we say, how many pets did we help yesterday? And every day our operations guy fills it in. And, um, and just some culture morale stuff that seems to seems to be helping and and gets people at least something to look at as like a score point every day to to focus on and, and track. Um, so that's the that's the number. But I didn't just pull twenty three hundred out anywhere. It, it's based on a revenue number of of ten million to get us there. And um, you know, Q one was just so good for us that we, we had to like bump our number up. We were actually, I think we we're at 1700 was our goal for the year. Okay. And, and we hit that like right away in, in Q1. Nice. Um, so we changed it to 2300 and now like Q2 is sort of flat or a little, little lower. Um, so we're going to be pretty aggressive here in Q3 and we have 10 products in the pipeline that are, that we're going to launch this quarter. So it's going to be pretty insane. That, that's a lot for us. I mean, 10 products is, probably pretty standard for some, some folks, but it's going to be, it's going to be an aggressive quarter for us to get all the assets together and launch those appropriately. And, but that can bring in a substantial amount of units to get us closer to that 2300 number. Awesome, man. I think it's a great idea. And it's uh, pretty interesting that you mentioned that because last week uh, we had some newer members on, on the show, uh, Basim and, and Ramsha. 
and uh, they're in the uh, supplement space. And they said the same thing. They actually, one of their KPIs is the number of customers, the number of people they've helped become healthier. Mm. And they focus on that first and revenue uh, is secondary to that. Um, And man, just what a, like, what a simple shift with a huge impact. I mean, I, I was just like blown away because I, I started to imagine the meetings and going over those scorecards and just the way that the whole team would feel about recognizing that, hey, we impacted, you know, 10% more people this week than we did last week. And, and just the motivation that that would provide uh, as a team, like it, it really blew me away. Yeah. And, uh, I, I definitely agree. I mean, it's, it's cause when you think about what motivates people and I mean, I don't know how your employees are, but you know, we're not in a position where we can pay top dollar for, you know, the best employees. So, you know, I try to incentivize them in, in the right ways with, you know, with culture and we have a really colorful office and I'm super flexible with their schedules you know, they, the idea is they'll work 40 hours a week, but I don't, I don't really care if they do or don't. Yeah. Um, no, no one's abused it at this point And I hope, I hope they don't, <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, the warehouse guys have to be here, but you know, if people want to work from home, they got appointments, they got a schedule, like they know they can do it and they don't have to come to me for, for approval first. But, um, the, really the premise of that is, is from the book, man up, uh, Bedros Koulian. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but okay. He, uh, he, he's the CEO owner of the fit body Boot Camps. Okay. And in his book, he talked about, uh, you know, he's always thinking in terms of revenue, but he knew that wouldn't be the, you know, the culture that communicated across all his, um, franchise owners. Okay. So it was more like, we're going to help, I don't know how many millions of 10 million people this year lose weight and continue their fitness journey. And we'll do that by opening up X number of store X number of uh, franchises. Okay. I was like, ah, oh, and it was instantly a shift for me. I'm like, we should do that in yeah, that yeah. space where the guys are going to be so much and girls are going to be so much more excited about helping more pets and, and helping their owners be happier with, with better products. And we instantly made that shift and it seemed to resonate pretty well. Yeah. I love it, man. And, and clearly it's working. I mean, you guys mentioned you're up 150% compared to last year, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's, uh, you know, nothing beats having a good team of motivated people that love what they're doing. Uh, it's, it's an absolute game changer in your business. Uh, when you know you have that team that's driven, uh, and motivated to meet those goals. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really grateful. And, you know, I wish I was like, you know, I've talked to some people and they're like, how, how do you get people to buy into to that without paying top dollar. And I, I don't have a good answer, honestly. I just, well, I like to say it's luck, but who knows? I mean, I, I feel like I respect people. I, you know, I've approached people with, with care and empathy and um, I've been an employee as a physical therapist. And I, I remember positions where I was super happy and I remember yeah. positions where I was not, and it all comes down to autonomy for me. If I'm able to, was able to practice the way I, you know, wanted to within the best practices and sort of have some control of my schedule. I was happy, man. I, I, I didn't mind that I had good mentors. Those are the things that mattered to me. So, um, I'm trying to deliver that back to, to my folks and it seems to be working. So again, it's intentional, but, um, you got to get good people in here first. Yeah, man, definitely. And I, I see a common theme with the way that you think about things. And it's like, it, it's one thing I do as well. And I actually posted uh, in MDS about it. It's, uh, and I called it the negative way. Like, what do we not want? Because sometimes defining what we do want, or what we think something is can be tough. And if you're trying to get a bunch of people to agree on something, uh, it can be even harder. But in my opinion, And actually, in my experience, if we, you know, health was my example uh, in the post, but like we can easily get people to agree on what health is not Uh, (laughs) getting people to agree on, you know, what it is sends us down a pretty, uh, 
you know, argumentative uh, rabbit hole sometimes, but (laughs) you know, if we can, uh, I I draw on a lot of my past experiences, you know, how I grew up and how I want my children to grow up or not grow up. Um, You know, how I want my employees to be treated or not be treated. And sometimes I have to start with the things that I, I don't want to do in order to get closer to the things that I do want to do. Um, I love it. That's yeah. a really healthy exercise that kind of gets you closer to that sweet spot. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely helped clarify some things for me. Um, well, Corey, before we sign off, man, I've got a few quick questions I want to ask you. Uh, and, uh, and I'll go ahead and dive in, man. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Um, let's see. So, um, what's, uh, we talked a little bit about habits, uh, and then things you're focusing on, but what, what's something that you're specifically working on right now? From a habit standpoint? Yeah. Or, is there yeah. something you're trying to, uh, some habit you're trying to adopt or, or maybe something you're trying to kick? Yeah. There, I wouldn't say, well, health, we go back to health. Um, one thing that has sort of always been a, a struggle for me is it's never been a problem, but I really love to come home and have like that beer or three. Yeah. But it's never, I mean, it's almost never a problem that I would ever go to like four to six or, or more. Um, but I just know that that's a, a, a deep habit for me that if I didn't have it, it would, I would feel like a little less happy. And then, and then that's where I'm like, this is probably not a healthy thing for me. Yeah. So this quarter is the first time I'm like, I'm, I'm going to make a change on that. And I didn't, with the 12 week year specifically, they, they, you know, they really stressed not to have too many goals. And okay. You know, I, the business goal and my family goal is always going to be one and two. So I have some, some health stuff that's sort of the sand, not like the main rocks in it. Okay. And, uh, so the one habit I'm trying to do without making this super long winded is I'm like four nights a week. There's no booze. Okay. Simple, simple thing. Three nights a week is okay. Which probably seems like that's a, that's a pretty small win, Corey. But for me, that's, that's a really healthy step in the right direction to just say, all right, four nights a week, you can do it. There's no problem. And, and, uh, Sparkling water has been amazing. Nice. <laughs> so that's that's a small habit that's moved me in the right direction. Yeah, man, I like it. I think you're on the right track. Like you got to get those small wins uh, because just saying, oh, I'm not going to drink at all anymore. You know, like that's a lot harder and you might give up uh, compared to, you know, meeting your goal 100% of the time of, of four yeah. days. Um you know, and then, and then it just makes it easier. Once you nail that one, then it just becomes easier. If you do want to say, Hey, I'm going to cut this out six days a week or whatever the case may be. Yep. Um, Honestly, uh, one thing that's, I found interesting is once I started with the healthy eating with the personal chef, it's like, that was the one domino that made it all easier where I felt like I had taken the stride or like knocked over the domino of like eating well consistently. And I was like, now I actually want to drink less because I'm moving and I'm actually really active towards my health goals. Yep. It's funny how like you always read about, you know, knock over the the simple domino first and then the other ones get easier. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Like weird mind shift when, when that happens, it's like actually would prefer to just be really healthy all day today. And um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. It sounds like you're uh, I totally agree with that tactic, man. I think you're, I think you're doing it right, man. Appreciate it. Um, all right. What about, uh, what else are you into, man? What are, what are some hobbies? Um, you know, when you get some time to yourself, I know it's hard being a dad and owning a business, but, uh, what do you do when you get some free time? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, I work out consistently, you know, I've been, I've shifted between CrossFit style workouts and, and running, uh, but now I've just been back into more of a bodybuilding style of workouts. You know, we're in that eight to 12 range, nice. working out for aesthetics more than, than function. Um, and that's, that's been, that's been going well. I've always been really scrawny. I'm six, five, you know, played college basketball and ah, okay. I used, to play, used to play hoops at 180. So I was really scrawny. Um, and, uh, I'm up to like two thirty now and just wow. thickening up a little bit. And, um, but it's, it's crazy. Cause I'm still, I still feel pretty scrawny, but, uh, 
it's definitely, you know, thicker. I can feel like when I reach behind me, like there's some meat on my shoulder that didn't used to be there and, and stuff like that. So definitely, um, you know, fitness is the, the thing that I do most consistently. Um, I don't do a lot of stuff socially. Um, you know, I have a couple of buddies in the area that we'll get together once in a while and just kind of hang out, but you know, two kids, wife and fitness and business. That's, that's a full day. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It really is, man. We're, we're pretty similar. It's, it's tough to be social. We just moved into a new neighborhood and got some good neighbors. So that makes it a little easier to, uh, get ourselves around some, some more people. <laughs> <laughs> definitely helps. And yeah, we're, we're in a pretty small development too. There's 30 houses on this little cult second. There's, um, there's a lot of toddlers, kids our age in, in the area, which, which is really fun. You know, have the kids nice you have friends and, and, uh, be able to like go to a friend's house and jump around for a while. It's definitely huge. Yeah. Yeah. It helps, man. Uh, let's see. What is, uh, what, what's one book suggestion? You mentioned a couple, but if you were going to pick one to, uh, suggest that the, uh, readers check out either personal or business, uh, what's one you would suggest? Good question. Um, the, probably the two that's had the most profound impact on, on my business is traction and 12 week year. Those have been, those have been awesome. Um, one of the books I read early on, I've always said to anybody that's asked, what's your favorite book? It's the one thing. Okay. Um, and I still, you know, really try to, to live by a lot of those principles when I look at my day and just the premise that, you know, willpower drains throughout the day. So focusing on your most important thing first and, and try to block that time and protect it. So that's, uh, honestly, it's probably one of the best nuggets anyone can implement in my, my opinion. Um, but probably for this year, uh, I just finished who and I uh, read who not how, so two different books, but okay. sort of on the same same line of bringing on or working with people that can do the things for you instead of you having to do everything. And, um, it's really a mindset shift for me as well on that. You know, there, there are people out there that want to do the things that you don't want to do or yeah. the best at. And for me, it's like, even when you think like someone cleaning your house or mowing your lawn or cooking your meals, it's like, my instant thought is like, I think I'm better than them. So I'm going to ask them to cook my meals. And that's not where it comes from. That's not like the place in my heart that it comes from. It's, you know, it's more protecting my time so I can do the right things for the people around me. Um, but once I read that part, that like sentence or that paragraph where there's people that actually choose that as a profession and want to do that. And that's how they make their living. It changed it and made it a lot more okay in my head. <laughs> so both those. Yeah. I kind of liked hearing it. Like when you said, when you said there's people out here that actually want to do the things you don't want to do. Uh, like when you said that it, it, it definitely impacted me. Uh, I think that's a great way to look at it. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. And, and that was, uh, what book was that one in? I think that was in who, not how. Okay. Um, but who is, is very similar. Uh, who, who, who kind of takes on more of a, how to find a player's role type of thing where okay. one of the big nuggets in there is we should constantly be asking for referrals. Anybody we meet or our, our employees, like the question they say is um, who, who should I be looking at hiring? Who do you know that should work with us? Just asking that question consistently with the team and people you meet, you'd be surprised how many people they know that are super talented that probably work somewhere else. That would be like, oh, I'd love to meet them or set up a call and have coffee. And, um, I was like, wow, I've actually never done that. That's a pretty good idea. Nice. Yeah, that does sound like a good idea. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. I got one more for you. Um, what sets a successful Amazon seller apart from an unsuccessful one, in your opinion? For me, I, I would say it's a couple of things. One thing, it would be just being persistent. I think okay. that, is, that is... I think the number one trait in me is I'm, I'm uber competitive, uh, not in the sense that I want to beat my competitors, but I'm competitive with myself that, you know, have this quarter being somewhat flat or somewhat down was hard for me. Cause I'm like, that's, that's the wrong direction. That's a loss in my book. Like we always get better. We always beat our previous number like those type of things. And, um, I think it's healthy, but I also think it's probably 
challenging for, for me a, a lot of times too. Yeah. But it allows me to be just extremely persistent and Amazon can be frustrating as you know. And yeah. if you can just grind through and push through the hard times and, and figure out and or find people that can figure it out for you, but it's not easy all the time. And, and then you need to have some sort of ability to be persistent and, and go through that. And a lot of that I think comes from the competitive space, but I'm also super, super clear on the goal and the vision I have for my family. Like I've, I spent, I've spent so many hours like at the lake writing about this vision and rereading it. And like, I can see myself on the lake house with my book, seat in my boat. Like I could see it, I could feel it. I can like hear the air and, um, having that clear picture for me makes the persistent difficult times easier. Nice, man. I love it. I love it. Uh, great stuff. Great advice, man. I think there were a lot of nuggets in this episode. Um, thanks for coming on, Corey. I really appreciate it, man. It, it was great chatting with you and um, I look forward to kicking it with you in Wyoming this September. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I enjoyed it. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Thanks again, man. And I'll be talking to you soon. Sounds good, Nick. Thanks. All right. Are you a million dollar seller looking to network with like-minded entrepreneurs? Apply for membership now at milliondollarsellers.com. Leave us a review and subscribe now so you don't miss out on next week's episode.